0: Daniel okay, Mashiach ben Tamar. His shiur tonight is dedicated for Shleima For the Mashiach ben Tamar, For Kriv HaShlema. Shleima. So this guy goes into shul, and middle of his davening, he starts waving around a pack of cigarettes. Everyone's wondering, what's this? Is this like a new skula? A new way to get God's attention? And like, crowds around this guy, he's waving the cigarettes, and I was like, what is this guy doing? And they asked him, he says, oh. See, I started to dive in, and then my thoughts started to wander, I you know, tonight I have to go on a flight, and I'm doing business, and the stewardess asked me if I'm sitting in the smoking section. So I couldn't speak, because I was Miloš Manasri. So I just waved the cigarettes, so she would know where I, where, where, where I sent me, seat me. It's a sad joke, but it's true. I mean, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. we we pray, we daven, and we don't even know that we did daven when we finish, you mm-hmm. know? Did I daven today? Rabbi Yol Khan, he was the one who would always, his mind's like a tape recorder, whenever the would would speak, he would repeat the entire febrile, he would speak for six or seven or eight hours, and after Shabbos, he would remember everything. I remember one time, he uh, his voice stopped on Kingston Avenue, and he says... Um, and he asked him a question. Chassidus. So after he finished his answering him, Raviel says to him, "Which way, way, way was I coming from?" So "You're coming from uh, that way." He said, "Okay, good. I ate lunch." So, <laughs> so, there are people like that that they don't know if they ate lunch or not. But most of us, um, it's the opposite. We, we could, if we eat lunch or not, we'll know. But if we, if we, if we pray today or not, that now we could forget. So the Gemara actually says that there are three sins that no one is saved from that everyone commits every day one of them is concentration and Davin. and the question is why is it so hard to Davin? i mean part of it is because it's hard for us to concentrate where we speak with emojis you know we don't we don't look really mm. uh we're, and also it's, it's a little bit boring let's be honest you're saying the same words over and over again three times a day and the words are written and you know the words of davening are written in a very uh, sophisticated uh, prose and uh, we're, it, it's 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 um, it's hard to concentrate. it Doesn't seem so exciting. There were some educators that went to visit this this tzaddik in Nebrak, and they want to get advice for him. They said, the students don't want to daven. Our children, they come to sh- school and they don't want to daven. What should we do? They don't want to daven. So he said to them, "Tell me um, uh, which davening is is uh, longer, Sunday or Monday." Monday is longer because Monday is an extra section of Tachman. So Monday. So he says. So when, when, the, when there's a Chasen or there's a Bris, so then you, you you skip that extra part, right? How do you feel when the Chasen walks into the show? I'm like, I feel great. We skip two three pages of Davening. So he says to them, Listen, it's not that kids don't like Davening. You don't like Davening. Someone three pages less of Davening. So the question is, why do we actually pray so much? and why do we bother god three times a day over and over again i mean if if we needed to get something from let's say the atm I and mean, if you have enough enough uh, cash to take out you wouldn't take out some cash on the morning or some cash in the afternoon and some cash in the you take out as much cash as you needed for the week if you needed that amount of cash and you had that amount of cash and then, then that would be it so if we're going to god to ask him for something so for the week, we should say okay. You need some health. You need some pranasa. You need some this. You need some that. Wh- whatever you need. W- What's the idea of davening in so long and so many details, so many words? Mm-hmm. Imagine a child. Just one of my children has asked me now, uh, more than once, more than twice in the last twenty minutes. Uh, he asked me, um, "Want to get a certain kind of game, uh, video game, whatever?" Uh, PS, was, uh, and um, <laughs> so. So imagine, a kid asks that from his father, and he asks him again, he asks him a third time. So he asks him three times in a row, instead of the father saying, oh, thank you for asking me so many times, the father's going to be like, you know, leave me alone. I didn't do that. Anyways, but uh, the question is, um, is it's even a bigger question, because from the the strict biblical uh, standpoint, the obligation to pray is once a day, and in your own words. Once a day, and in your own words. And all of a sudden, we have this, Decree in the time of Ezra. Ezra saw that people were not able to pray in their own words because there were people were very illiterate. They they, they couldn't uh, enunciate what they wanted to say to God. So he instituted that people should use a certain text, the, the Shmoneh that we have, the, eight to the nineteen blessings. In the time of HaNetzar people couldn't pray, so he instituted that we should say these blessings. But the question is, why do we need this lengthy prayer every day? And we're going to analyze, answer this question. By from the standpoint before, before we get into the answer let, let's let go to uh, something we see throughout the whole book of Bereshit we find that our matriarchs suffer a lot and what's interesting what's fascinating, astonishing is that it's not that they suffer a lot they're the only ones who suffer meaning they, 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 uh, Sarah couldn't have children but her mother could and her grandmother could it wasn't like it was a, a, a genetic thing in her family that they couldn't have children she was the first one in her family who couldn't have children and so was also with Rachel she was the first one and so was with Rivka they were the, they weren't they related to each other wasn't what they weren't they didn't relate to each other either Sarah Rivka and Rachel and the the psictor, uh, lists seven people that couldn't uh have children they were the Akaris everyone else could and they and they suffered so much and the question is why did they have to suffer so much to have children why they have why does this have to happen it's an interesting explanation from the Dubna Maggit. The Dubna Maget says the following. He says, if there would have been a natural birth of Yitzchak, so then it would have come out that Terach and the wicked people that preceded him had to have a big share in the birth of the Jewish people. But because the power of birth, the power of natural birth stopped with Avram and Sarah, so the whole continuation of the progeny of the Jewish people is a total miraculous thing that just began with Avram and Sarah. In other words, if it would have been a natural thing, then we would say, oh, we come from Terach. Terah was Avram's father. Yeah. So, so therefore that whole thing stopped, the whole power of birth stopped with Avram and Sarah, and there would need to be a miracle for the continuation of Jewish people so that we shouldn't ascribe our, our, our lineage to the people before Avram, but to Avram and Sarah themselves. That's what the D- Duhemaget D- says. The Talmud says another, another answer. Talmud says... Because God desires the prayers of the righteous. God wants people to pray to Him, and therefore God said that um, God decreed that they shouldn't be able to have children so that they would pray to God. The the, time says that the, the matriarchs and the patriarchs wouldn't have any reason to pray. They were beautiful, they were rich, so why should they pray? So therefore God saw they wouldn't pray to Him unless they were missing something, and therefore God wanted them to pray. In other words, it's not that they prayed in order to ask for their needs, it's more like they asked for their needs because God wanted them to pray. So why would Hashem even want to bring Mashiach? Because then we won't need to die anymore. Rev. Isaac Homler once said that when Mashiach will come, they're going to hold Isaac. Isaac Homler was one of the greatest students of Al-Tarab. He used to pray for many, many hours every day. He used to say when Mashiach will come, people will hold this little... Isaac this little bug on their hands. He's he talking about himself. And they'll say, "This, you see this little thing? He used to daven. Meaning, the daven of Mashiach will come will be in a whole different level. Mashiach will really daven. Will be much, the daven will be a much, much higher level. Um, so the, the Torah says straight out that Yitzchak daven to have a child. And uh, that's also the reason why Yaakov was so sharp with Rachel. When Rachel says in the 6th um, "How? give me a child... Right? Rachel turns to Yaakov and says, Give me a child. What does Yaakov say? Is it my fault Is uh, uh, that God has. Am I, am I God that it was withheld children from you? Mm-hmm. It's a very sharp thing to say because what Yaakov was in, was, was intimating was that he already had children. God had held, withheld children from you, mm-hmm. but I, Yaakov, already have children. Why, do you, why was he so sharp with her? But he's also saying that I'm not the right one to talk to about it. Yeah, but, he, but God had withheld children from us, he could have said. He said, Am I God who. Who has withheld children from you? So it's only you, it's only you that has missing children, not me. So the Ramban says what Yaakov wanted to do. He wanted Rachel to daven. Rachel was relying on his feelings. Rachel was saying, "Oh, I have a husband who's a, a tzaddik. One day he'll get through. He'll see, maybe send, there's some you know there's a line upstairs. Who knows? But one I day my husband. I thought we're allowed to do that. <laughs> I thought when our husband's when on film, it's for us too. Like. It is for you too. But but, what's but, the but yeah, I'll stop the yeah, the Fiddikrever said that. During World War II, um, the, the Friedrich Rebbe said that every Jew has to know that they are a responsibility and an ability to daven, to make a difference. He's talking about the Holocaust and, and how everyone is able to make a difference to their daven. Um, also, the Friedrich Rebbe writes that when a, when a couple needs a brachan, it needs the schuss of with the husband and the wife. Anyway, so the question is, uh-oh, the question is, why does God need it? Why does God need our prayers? And also, where's justice? If someone deserves something, they should get it, right? Why do they need to daven to get it? It's like cashing in. It's known, many places in the Torah, that you don't receive until you ask. The question is, why does it work that way? There is a... We see this in the Torah in a few places. We find in the beginning of the Torah, when God created the world... It says it didn't rain yet. Why didn't it rain? Because there was no person to ask God for rain. In other words, although God planned that the world needs rain, but until a human being would be born and ask God for rain, there would be no rain. There had to be a request from a human being. We also find it in the story of Eliyahu Navi. Eliyahu Navi once uh, visited the king Ahab, and he told Ahab told Eliyahu. It says in your Torah that if the Jews pray to idols, there will be no rain. We have plenty of rain. So Eliyahu Navi says, from now on, no rain. And he decreed there'll be no rain. There's no rain, and then a story happened. And and God said, from now on there will be rain. And after God decreed, from now on, tell the king, now on this, after three years of hunger, after three years of drought, there'll be a rain. El Yo had to daven for there to be rain. So although it was decreed by God, still to bring the bracha down, he had, to, he had to actually he had to ask for it. He had to daven for. It. We find many places in the Torah this this phenomenon. And uh, the question is, why is it this way? Why do you need to dive in? If it's already been decreed. Oh. Uh-huh. Don't get it as soon as they ask for it, but it's yours. But we have to ask for it. But why? There's a famous there's a famous story, of Rabbi Saul of Rishon. I'm sorry, of uh-huh. Nachman Chernobyl. Excuse me, Rabbi Chernobyl. He used to visit a certain town, and he used to stay at this uh, wealthy family. And one day he's he's about to come to town. He tells the gabbai, "Tell the family, I'm not gonna stay at their house unless they give me ten thousand golden ruble. So the man, although he was a wealthy man, ten thousand golden ruble was way, 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 way beyond anything he had ever heard of in his life. And so he's like, I, mean, "I can't, I can't, I don't know how I could do that if I sell my house and everything in it. I'm not, I'm not gonna have ten thousand golden ruble. So he told this to the gabbai. The gabbai tells this to the tzaddik, and the tzaddik says, "Tell him." They he shouldn't come to visit me while I'm visiting the town. Not only can that thing in his house, but he should not come to visit me at all. So this guy is so broken, and all of a sudden, what does he do? He turns to God. He says, God, please help me. I need money. I need 10,000 golden ruble, please. And, long story short, there were some soldiers that visited the town, and they left in his house a chest full of diamonds and gold and stuff, and uh, and make, make a long story short, it's impossible to return it. And it was his was his. So he goes to the tzaddik and Nachman Chernobyl, and he's like, "Got the ten thousand golden ruble? Here you go, Rebbe." And Nachman Chernobyl says, "The money that you found, the money you got, is not mine. It's yours. I don't need the money. The reason why I said this to my gabbai was because you never asked for this bracha. In order to get the bracha, you need to ask for it. And I want. And you never asked for anything because you have." In order to get the brach, you have to ask. So that, that's something we find in Torah in general, that there has to be a request. Many people are, are uh, everyone asks this question. You, you could ask, but not always do you see an answer, right? How come, how come you don't uh, see an answer? The Bam says, actually, interesting, in that Gemara I quoted before, that people make, there are three things that people make a mistake every day in. So one of them is that you don't, people don't concentrate on davening. Bam interprets that with those words of the Gemara to say. It's not that they don't concentrate. If they think, I'm concentrating, don't you see I'm concentrating? How come? Show me the money. Where is it? You, you see I'm concentrating. So pe- that, that, that kind of mistake that people expect God to respond to them is a natural thing that people think and, and, and uh, question. And people are, are you know, it's, they, they, they get uh, frustrated. So why aren't these prayers answered? So some say there's a difference between what you want and what you need. Like the famous story of this rabbi who speaks Rosh Hashanah to his community, everyone has to and I promise you, if you pray to God, God will listen to you. So this boy comes to Shul the next day, the rabbi is so impressed, this boy is there, and he's very proud, and he has nachas from the efficacy, from, his, from how effective his, his drasha was, and he sees this boy come to Shul every day for two weeks, and he stops coming to Shul. So he asks the boy after two weeks, he bumps into him somewhere, he says, why you stop coming to Shul? He says, Rabbi, I daven for a bike for two weeks, no, I, You said that everyone one of the gets answered. I didn't get answered. Rabbi says, you were answered. The answer was no. Mm. So that's a pretty harsh um, explanation. There is another harsh explanation that's not as harsh. This is also brought in others' form. That is, that there's a certain amount of prayers that have to be said. A certain amount of prayers have to be said for a prayer to be effective. And so it could be that prayer you, you, you say, that could be the one. There was a woman lying like Zunt, Mrs. Henny Kornil. She lives in Kfar She's an educator for many years, and she was once given an assignment to work in this uh, home for uh, girls who had a very hard upbringing. And she she went there, and she had a very you know positive attitude, very strong. She believed that love would conquer all, and she'd be able to relate to them. And, and she was amazingly successful in dealing with all these kinds of girls at all kinds of. You know, they didn't know how to read or they were literate, but they, they had gone through in life such trauma that, that, that uh people, you know, three times their age had never seen. And she was able to help them, except for one girl. One girl, her father was Arab, her mother was Jewish, and she couldn't get through to her. And eventually the, the parents pulled her out of this pulled her out of this this, this this home and she didn't give up. And she went to visit the, visit the, visit, the, visit her home in the hope that she could convince the parents to send her back to, to a Jewish education. She visits the home. The Arab opens the door. The Arab says, I know who you are. I know where you live. If you come here again, I'm going to hurt you. So what she going to do now? No, this is, she couldn't reach this girl while she was in the school. And this girl is now not coming back. So she wrote it to Rebbe. And the Rebbe said that she should say the Tehillim for her every day. Meaning, the age. If you're 14, you're supposed to say the Tehillim of 15. So whatever age she was, she was 14, I think, 15, I remember. So she should, she should say the age of tiln for that girl. So she did. She did this for 14 years. Every single day. One day, her husband, Amos Korniel uh, is in this education event they did in Israel somewhere. He was speaking about education. And this lady comes. She runs over to me says, I have to speak to you. I was looking for your wife for many years. It was this girl grown up. And she had herself uh, a child. she had married an Arab, and she had a Jewish child. but she felt like um, like she, 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 she wanted to become, she wanted to, to, to raise her child as a Jew. and she did. She came back to Yiddishkeit, she came and she said, I, "I want to tell you, it's all because of your wife. I, 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 her, her words and her presence had a major impact on my life. I was, you know, I was, I was involved in all other kinds of things. As you can imagine, I married, I married in Arab, but, but that had an impact. So prayers make a difference, and and it could be that the prayer uh, that was said yesterday wasn't the one that was needed to make the difference. But one more makes a difference. That's that's how some explain this. Others explain this that it, that every prayer makes a difference. Every prayer has an impact. No such thing as a prayer is not, that, that does not have an impact. It doesn't Gemara. Um, I'm going to say the whole story now, but the Mura sa- says that uh, Reb and his children, when they dived, when they said Mashiv Haruach, the wind blew. It said Mirde Geshem, the rain came down. The Mara says how uh, El Yonavi um, would wake up each of our patriarchs on, and, and he would watch Negomaster with them and, and daven with them. First he wake up Avram. And he still does this every day. Elyon wakes up Avram and he washes the Negevazar and he downs the Avram. And then he wakes up Yitzhak and downs the Yitzhak. And the Gora asks uh, the man who Elyon showed this to, uh, was he was involved in, in setting up the, 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 the graves. of uh, the, He made markers around all the graves of all the patriarchs because he didn't want the priests, the Koyanim, to come in contact with uh, their body. So therefore he made markers around all different patriarchs. So this tzaddik, he met Elyon there. And he asked, why don't you just wake them up all together? Mm. He said, if I wake them up all together, their prayers will immediately be answered and Mashiach will come. And that's not the plan. That wasn't the plan. So he asked, but this rabbi was a smart rabbi. He said, well, is anybody alive today that could do it? He told him that he and his children could do it. If he and his children would have them together, boom, we're in the money. Rebchia, it was amazing, amazing tzaddik. rabbi it says in Gemara, if not for him, we would have no Torah today. The Gemara says that Rebchia, in his time, the people were very ignorant about Torah, and what he did was, he planted seeds. With well, the seeds, he made flax. So the flax, he made nets. So the nets, he caught deer. The deer, he made parchment. With the parchment, he made, made Torahs. And he went over to one child, and he, and he, and he taught him the book of child taught not the, the book of Shemes. And He told each child to teach each other. And because of him, the Torah was not forgotten. Anyway, Subhina's children have a tremendous merit. And if they pray together, then their prayers are answered. They try to pray together. The wind blows. The rain comes down. They say, God resurrects the dead, and all of a sudden there was a, like a whole turmoil in the world, and Elia Na'vi got into a lot of trouble for revealing the secret. But the point is, that there, says in Chassidus that, we're, that we're, we, each of us is like a rabbi Each of us has the same thing. When Mashiach will come, we'll see how every single time you davened, it made an impact. It did something. It accomplished something. It wasn't just that, we find out it made by Avram Avinu, you know, uh, in the story of Stone, God says, I have to tell Avram, like we learned a few weeks ago, they I'm going to destroy the city of stone, And then Ash- God listens to Avram request for them, and then he doesn't answer him, And Chassidus says, it wasn't that Hashem didn't answer him. The commander says, Avram's prayers had an impact. The impact was, um, where it says that in merit of his prayers, it brought the, 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 the uh, ashes of the sotah water, which bring peace between husband and wife. Anyways, the point is that every prayer has an impact. What, um, but getting back to our, our question, why do we pray every day? What is, it, what is it for? And the answer is, the destination of prayer is five words. We're trying to go with prayers to five words. Which five words? Mm-hmm. To know before whom we're standing. We're involved in the physical world. We see an opaque physical reality. We're all, our, our first reality is ourselves and our, and our physical lives. So to think about Hashem and to think about how divine providence, and to think how Hashem takes care of us and that we're in good hands and to have that kind of paradigm in our system to feel that way, it's difficult. And therefore Hashem gave us the mitzvah of davening. The mitzvah of davening is to bring us around, that we should have the true perspective that there's nothing besides Hashem, it's to lift us up to reality. So if Torah study is about learning about God, davening is about meeting God. That's what it says in the code of Jewish law, when you daven, you're supposed to picture that you're standing before a king, standing, standing before the Shekhinah, you're talking directly to God. I don't know if you saw Living Torah last week. Living Torah last week was unbelievable. This, sorry, not Living Torah. The, the, you know that the Gem puts out like, a story every week on the... On the, on the my on Encounter. My Encounter, right. So they put out a story about this guy who worked in the, in camp. And he, it was his birthday, I think. And he was talking to the Rebbe privately. And he, they, he would teach the children every day some halachas. And he was in a private audience with the Rebbe. And the Rebbe asked him you teach the children. He was head counselor. He didn't really teach the children, but at the end of the evening, he would tell them like five minutes of halacha. So, so, like, no. so the Rebbe said, do you teach the children? He's like, no. So the said, do you teach them maybe some halacha? Like the Rebbe like knew something. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I teach the children. So the Rebbe said, it would be worthwhile tomorrow when you speak to them to tell them the power and give them a light on what the meaning of a bracha is. So he's thinking, it's like three o'clock in the morning. He has to drive back to Parksville or, or Swan Lake, where the camp was then, and it's far driving. <laughs> Where's me the time to think of what to tell the kids? I've said so in order, I've read his mind again. they have said so, so, um, one of the things I, I, I don't remember that I've introduced it, but they told him what he could tell the children. He could share with them the following. When you say Baruch ata, what's Baruch ata mean? Ata means you in the second person. It means whenever you say a baruch, you're talking directly to God. The God is here with you. You're talking to Him. It's an unbelievable thing that we, that we look at. I remember when I was a. Uh, in New Haven, in yeshiva, we used to go every uh, week to Norton Street, to Whaley Street, wherever to put on film various people in the uh, in various offices. And uh, there was these two uh, Seventh Day Adventist Jews converted to some interesting religion, and I couldn't believe it. I was once talking to them, and they're like, "And God is millions of miles away." Like Look, sugar, yeah. people think that way. We say a bruch, I mean, think about what, what the reality of a brach is. You're saying baruch at and you're talking to Hashem. He's here. Anyway, so that's what this guy conveyed. Of course, to the children like never told him. So that's the meaning of davening. That's what the word davening actually means. The word davening, tefillah in Hebrew, means to connect. That's a point of davening. Unlike the English word prayer, which means to ask for something, if you have what you need, you don't need to daven. You don't need to pray. Davening, tefillah, means connection. That's what it's about. So it's not that we're. We're praying, we were davening because we have to ask for our needs. It's more like we ask for our needs so that we could daven. We want to daven, we want to connect to Hashem. So in order to connect to Hashem, we ask for our needs. By asking for our needs, we feel this takes bravery and takes humility to realize, like you know, you need to talk to Hashem to ask for your needs. Okay, so unbelievable thing that I saw today. The Kuzri, the Kuzri says, you know, we pray three times a day. Amazing, amazing thing, because you eat three times a day. Not kazi, but just like you, you need to feed your body consistently to keep your body going. Yeah. So too, you need to feed your neshama since we have this, this, this paradigm that, you know, that in the language of Papa, I am what I am, that's all I am. So in order to cultivate this, this, this recognition of Hashem, we have to daven consistently every day to, to bring ourselves to have this, this, this realization that, that, there, that, there is, that the Ebishter is, is all, that there, he, the Abish takes care of us and we're in his hands. The Zohar says uh, about Yaakov's dream in this week's parsha, Yaakov saw a ladder, the ladder is prayer. Prayer is a ladder. Prayer, pray, when you start off, that's a first step that you get, till you get to Shunah Esrei, face to face with Hashem, you're you're, you're ascending, you're, you're becoming more and more aware of Hashem. And that's the reason why davening is a condition to getting God's blessings. Why is it a condition? We asked before, if you, so, if you deserve it, you deserve it, don't deserve it, don't deserve it. What's the idea of davening? And if you davening, you get it. The answer is, David makes you a vessel for God's blessings. The um, there, was a, there was the Temach Tzedek had an uncle used to travel around to collect money for Kol Chabad in Israel for the Chabad uh, fund to help poor families in Israel, and he used to travel around and the wagon driver driving very you know carefully, and he's like, I'm turning over, turning over, and the guy's like. What are you talking about? Oh, driving. so Everything's fine. Like, what do you mean? And he meant that 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 when you daven, you feel like you're with Hashem. Then after you finish diving, you turn over, like you roll over to like, oh no, it's not Hashem. It's 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 www whatever. It's 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 what other 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 reality that you feel is more real after that I'm turning over. I'm not the same way as I was before davening. The B'nai Yisrachar says it this way. He says, there was a decree. The bracha doesn't come. But when you in, you're a different person now. When you in, you become a vessel. And you become face-to-face with Hashem. So now you get the bracha. There is um, a rashi. Rashi says, when you pray, you should not make your prayers to be fixed. What's the meaning of fixed? Rashi says, it shouldn't be that today's prayer is like yesterday. It should be like a brand new thing. Like, how can, how can you do that? So, um... So the Rebbe said that that I mean we, we now raise the stakes a little bit. We, we started off our class with davening could be boring, and how do you make it exciting? But now we said davening is like the center of the day, and everything around the day is is around the davening. Davening is giving you this this realization that you're face to face with Hashem. So now we raise the stakes. To the question: How do you make it work? And it's one thing that the works, one thing that they could do is 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 to focus on one section of davening. This is there's a long davening, but I'm, this is the part that I'm, I'm into right now. This is my section, the Chassidim. Used to put a fold in the page or one, one part of the avenue. Um, I Just want to tell you one more thing, and I'll, uh, and I'll uh, let you guys go. The um there's a the, we learned a few weeks ago how Eliezer when he prayed to God, God answered him immediately. It's possible that God answers you, but He doesn't answer you immediately. That the prayer goes down from level to level. Like, why have to pray at all if the prayers if God already decided on Shoshana what's supposed to happen during the year? Why have to pray any day? It's already decided. So the it says, on Rosh Hashanah, Hashem gives you like, let's say, a, a tier. You deserve this amount of blessings. You're a tier five blessing person, okay? You got tier five. And when you pray today, you're bringing down from that battery, from that storage of blessings. that's a destiny for you for the year. You have to pray to bring it down for today. The storage house is there. But if you want to draw out from there, you have to pray today. So, so, so why do you need to draw out, out from there? Why do you pray today to bring it down? Because it goes down through the various worlds until it reaches this world. So at each stage, as it goes down, there's another question whether it should go down to the next world beneath it or not. So therefore, there has to be, there's another judgment of every day about what should happen today. How should that storage house, how should it come down? So Eliezer, Ebed Avram, his, he prayed to Hashem in a different kind of way. His prayer was of such um, selflessness that he was totally dedicated to what Hashem wanted him to do that he was, so he, he played with, pray, prayed with a different kind of gvurah, different kind of strength, different kind of dedication, different kind of sacrifice. And Because he pray, prayed with gvura with his power, it also elicited, so to speak, a powerful bracha of Mashem, which doesn't need to go through the various stages of heaven until it reaches this earth, but instead it's like a blessing of a coin, which it says the blessing of a coin is a special characteristic that it goes with tremendous speed because, it's, because it has a tremendous energy. So that's the the prayer of Eliezer. When you pray to Hashem with dedication, that's what the word Beis means. Beis is a place of gathering. What's a shul mean? Beis a place of gathering. It doesn't just mean you gather with other people. The many shluchim last week. There's Many shluchim the whole year they're praying in their living room. That's their shul, and they're by themselves the entire year. Maybe Yom Kippur they get them in. You know, what's Beis mean? Beis is when you gather yourself together? You gather your whole being together, and you dedicate yourself to Hashem, and you want to talk to Hashem, and you want to. We want to be there? You want to meet Hashem, so that when you dive in that way, so al Yazr, his prayers had that unique characteristic that they were answered, not just answered, but answered immediately and they brought the bracha down. So bottom line is, we need to bring the brachas down right away. We need the bracha of B'S Mashiach and Chaim uh, and, and any any questions, comments, criticism, tomatoes, cucumbers. No questions. How can be? Okay, okay, karma, go ahead. I remember another share gave us uh, we for I in her apartment about like, okay, what, extra was, points. <laughs> what does prayer mean and, and what would our day be like or That'll life pray. be like if we would pray every day and then we, we wrote it all down and then you said so like what do you think like why would you not mm-hmm. so sometimes I remember that and it like really inspires me. Wow that's great. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. What that? Mm-hmm. So what were you saying? Like oh, tough. like if like imagine it, like we had paper. So the question was like, mm-hmm. what would what would happen if I prayed or if I daven? What would I? What would my life be like if I in Oh, I would be more inspired. i would be more connected to Shem, I'll probably mm-hmm. be happier or X Y Z. something blank. Like good stuff. Only good things were written down. Mm-hmm. We should bring it back, back the paper thing. The paper things were good, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs>